It's time for The Deuce with Jimmy Chavez on 1620 The Zone. All the headlines you need in two minutes or less. Four Creighton women's basketball players are in academic all-district honors. Lauren Jensen and Morgan Molly, as well as seniors Carly Batchelor and Rachel Saunders, are recognized for their performance in the classroom. They will go for their 20th win of the season tonight at Marquette on the basketball floor. A victory would give the Jays a 14th win in league play. Tip-off at the Al McGuire Center in Milwaukee. Just want to get Al McGuire in there. It's 7 o'clock. Hey, you know, that. so last night was basically a 4 versus 5 NCAA game. Oh, yeah. That's the first-round game tonight because Creighton is, in a lot of brackets, is 8 and mm-hmm. Marquette is 9. <clears throat> and Marquette beat UConn. A few weeks ago. So Who hasn't beaten UConn? Yeah, UConn Go losing last night. How about Saint that? St. John. Yeah. yeah. St. John's beats them 69-64. to First time that the Red Storm beat the Huskies in 11 years, and it gives them 20 wins on the season. Mm-hmm. And for UConn, that's two conference losses on the season. For all the other teams, that translates to 10. They lost to Marquette a few weeks ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marquette and Creighton tonight. Iowa that's... women got destroyed yeah. by Maryland last night. Now that's number six versus number seven. What is it? Caitlin Clark held under her season average. 96-68. Yeah. 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 Looking ahead to their game day on Saturday, which will be in Iowa City. On the men's side, aside from last night's Creighton-Marquette thriller, the other story in the Big East was Villanova upsetting Xavier in Cincinnati 64-63. And, uh, yeah, as you all talked about, the Jays go to Philly for an early tip against the Wildcats Saturday at 11 o'clock. There's a lot, to, a lot of times those are your bring-your-own-energy games. And usually decent crowds in Philly, but that's early. In the Big Ten and nationally, the biggest story last night was Michigan State knocking off 17th-ranked Indiana, 80-65. to The game was the first in East Lansing after the tragic mass shooting on campus last week. They killed three students and hospitalized five. The victims, survivors, and first responders were recognized with pregame remarks. There was a moment of silence, and in the student section in the front row, there were white shirts placed on eight seats to save them for the eight students shot on campus. So a lot of emotion in that building. And I mean, magic of sports, though, kind of bringing people together and helping people heal. Yeah. So Next Tuesday night, Michigan State at Nebraska. Nebraska beats Minnesota Saturday. Mm-hmm. They upset Michigan State. And then they win against what might be Ohio State, which has a really good net rating. Hostigate. The race for 17. Why'd you you skip Iowa? You just don't think that's going to happen? Come on. Well, it could happen. You've got the upset over Michigan State, and you didn't mention the game at Carver. I mean, it has been 200-plus days since (laughs) Iowa beat Nebraska in football. It's been a while since (laughs) Iowa beat Nebraska in basketball. I mean, it could happen, Mm -hmm. but my race is to uh, 17. I I Uh, like it. You're going going with the the home court advantage. I get it. Thanks, uh, Jimmy. Uh, Nebraska women at number 25, Illinois, tonight. Boy, there's a team that is in desperate need of a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're 6-10 in the league. Yeah. WNIT? Looks uh, pretty yeah. likely now. Yeah. Are they going to open the Apple Orchard uh, in March in Lincoln? They would host, though. Boy, I mean, that would be fun. <laughs> hey, talk about a difference of a feel. If the Nebraska women were playing in the WNIT compared to the Nebraska men in oh, the NIT. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, my gosh. We are... It would be we one are, of the better are. environments you'd see at Pinnacle Bank Arena for the men. We are painting our chest if Nebraska <laughs> is playing Tomanaga Fever in March. Seton Hall in the NIT. Post season! <laughs>
Uh, uh, 7.36. What if I would have told you yesterday, and I was off. I thought Creighton would win last night. I had 69-63. I didn't think Marquette would get enough stops. Um, when they're rolling offensively, man, Kolick, just his feel for the game and mm-hmm. the flow, like reading the floor. And Cam Jones, that is a dude. He is cold-blooded. They got some stops, and they also hit some big shots. I mean, your game-winning shot is a floater over Kalkbrenner. Yep. But what if I would have told you yesterday in all the predictions we were making that Frederick King, otherwise known to Fred's friends and family as Fred, would outscore Art Kaluma in the second half? You would have said what? Again, uh, Art Kaluma got hurt. He's sick. I would have said, man, how many points did Creighton win by? Or, the, that means or yeah, they, yeah, there's that too. So Fred King came yeah. off the bench, put in a big... Fred King's dunk was his two points. Mm-hmm. Art Kaluma had a dunk to begin the game. Never scored again. Yep. I was going... Which, that's wild, because, yeah, that yeah. dunk, you're thinking, all right, here we go. So I'm going through the play-by-play at the beginning of the second half. That's, in my opinion, about the last two minutes of the first half and the first 11 to 12 minutes of the second half is where that game was lost. Marquette goes from being down 12, yeah. they get it to 8 at halftime, and then they go from down 8 to up 10 with a tick under 8 to go. But going through the play-by-play, so it's 40-32 at halftime, at the 7:59 mark, Marquette completes a run of 31-13 to take a double-figure lead. There's a lot of that stretch of empty possessions for Creighton yep. and live ball Ryan Nemhard turnovers. Yes. Which, good on Marquette. They, man, they ratchet up defensively. I, I, again, I, I was wrong. Shaka Smart, you got stops, and they had a little bit of havoc last night creating 15 turnovers, but they took Creighton's point guard and turned him over six times. Well, and the, the Cam Jones, if you look at his overall stat line, you're not going to see anything jump off the page defensively, but if you watch him, and I know Nick Bob made mention of this in the first half, but especially in the second half, you're kind of seeing this too, where he's just speeding guys up. And that, again, with kind of adding a little bit more intensity defensively there in the second half where they're getting a little bit more aggressive, and Cam Jones kind of getting them a little bit more out of pace and speeding Creighton up. You had some careless passes, just trying to go from – you know, point to post or, you know, from one side to the other. Just, this is, and I've I've kind of been singing the praises of, of Nemhard lately because he had done a much better job of controlling the basketball, valuing the possessions, making good decisions with it. Well, on the offensive end, he's, and he was good on the offensive end yeah, again last night. I mean, he was. He ended up with 16. He was, what, five of eight shooting. But during I mean, that he, stretch, and he's, and he's been good for about ten games shooting the ball. He really yeah. has. And, and, but during that stretch that you're talking about there, especially in the second half, where I think they had, gosh, it would have been like five turnovers in a matter of like seven or eight possessions. Nemhard was he was he was rushed, and he was making some of those decisions with the ball that were someone under under duress. And I felt like he had done a much better job of controlling that over. A month or so. That was, and I don't want to say it was just him that was careless with the basketball, but he had those moments that this is where sometimes you do get a little bit concerned when Nemhard is put in that position. But I, I also do go back, though, to Cam Jones 
He was doing this with Trey Alexander at moments as well. And there was just a lot of that defensive pressure. It, it really did speed up everything that Creighton wanted to do. And you didn't see it, probably that sense of urgency as much in the first half of what Marquette was doing defensively as you totally did see in the second half. And again, I don't want to sit there and get overly concerned about Creighton not handling that. But that is something when you have a lead like that at home, that to me was a bit worrisome, where they just kind of came unglued once they got sped up defensively. It was great on Marquette, but it's just one of those things that when you get to March, you know that's going to be the case. That's how teams are going to try to defend you. And we talked about this yesterday, the amount of collapsing on Kalkbrenner to get some open looks, It was a, and you saw those there towards the end of the first half, but you didn't, and maybe it was a much better job of Marquette sort of helping and then recovering. They were still very active, but they were just a lot more spread out there too. It, it was it was a good defensive effort. I, I think that's what I ultimately come away with. But I was, it was a little bit worrisome to see Nemhard with the basketball and just kind of making some some sloppy decisions. Biggie's tournament at Mass Square Garden is going to be great. I mean, Marquette's in a better position having the number one seed because, especially on that Thursday, there's some key teams you're going to avoid. But man, watch out for Villanova. That this is like. Mac has to reset, and I don't think it'll be difficult. They could have won but here. The, but the matchup will be difficult because Villanova won yesterday. Moore is back. They've had him. Like, he had just come back when they played yeah. here. And and they gave Creighton a game. I mean, that that's a that's a game to keep an eye on at noon uh, Philly time on, on Saturday because Villanova now has a little bit of confidence. So all of a sudden mm-hmm. Villanova's going, man, could we be a – I don't know that they're yet a bid stealer, but they could they could cause some issues. They're going to be one of those teams that probably when you get to Madison Square Garden, if you get matched up against them, you're like, oh boy, yeah, yep. oh boy, you don't want to play them. Um, uh, shifting gears a little bit, I saw something yesterday. So, college baseball finished its first week. Uh, Nebraska's bullpen, by the way, did get on the plane and they came back to Lincoln. I got that confirmed yesterday. Uh, so that bullpen. For uh, Nebraska, which in 14 innings, 11.57 ERA, <laughs> five hit by pitches, 15 walks, slugging percentage, 320 against yeah, them. That's not good. Kendall Rogers brought up an interesting point. Because pitchers and catchers have reported full squads are together. We're watching guys take BP in Arizona and Florida. We're getting kind of giddy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to watch every... Uh, you know, Peter Crow Armstrong move for the Cubs. <laughs> You're trying to figure out, man, Terry Francona had a bad day the other day. Chip two. Chip two. Oh. He gave his, you know, beginning of the season speech. That he was, ex- he was nerves. You That's gotta, why I got the chip two. You got a prospect for the Indians they've shut yeah, down. Two months. Yeah. Jimmy, you're the Astros. You're still the Astros. <laughs> uh, They'll be there. But Kendall brought up this interesting point about college baseball. And, and there's the stretch where, you know, where we're located, Omaha's got to go to L.A. and then to Fresno. Nebraska's got to go to San Diego, and then they go to Mobile. Creighton's got to go to Lake Charles, Louisiana, and this weekend they go to Myrtle Beach. So you got to play somewhere where it's warm. But everybody has a uniform start time for practice. And some can be outside more. Some can be outside more year-round. Yeah. Kendall brought up a great point. And, and kudos to Kendall Rogers and coaches in the sport that want to grow their sport and take care of their sport, and they have fought to get a full-time coach. Mm -hmm. And some other things that are making the game better, 
Now, Dave Van Horn is calling right now, Jimmy, on line one to say, that pitch clock, that ain't making the game better. <laughs> uh, we're going to ask DVH about that when we get him on because he got he, he's a little opinionated little man. Mm-hmm. But Kendall brought up, why not in college baseball they don't have pitchers and catchers report earlier, like three to four to five days ahead of when the rest of the team begins practice. And I think this is also, there were some significant arm injuries this weekend yep. in college baseball. Like with some, like LSU lost the number two starter. Mm-hmm. I thought, man, I, I have not heard anybody bring that up around the college game, but that sounds like a brilliant idea so that pitchers can get ramped up a week, week and a half ahead of time. So when they show up, they're not, you know, they're not being forced to go six to seven innings when their arms are not ready. Yeah. So they show up and everybody starts practice at the same time. I thought it was a great idea. And it's interesting when you know of the routine once the guys get out of fall ball. And you do, it's you know kind of similar to what college football is going through right now, unless you're Michigan. You know, you're going through your winter workouts, unless you started spring ball. Uh, but yeah, you're kind of doing some, some winter maintenance stuff. But once you leave campus for your winter break, you know, however long you're away, you're going to be given your throwing program. And it's going to be up to you to maintain that throwing program. It's going to be up to you to condition your arm. And you're basically, you're going to get the all of the different guidelines that you need without a coach being there. But it is also up to you to do that. And it's up to you to make that transition once you have spring practice starting, when you have the season, the actual official practice is starting – to be as far along as you could be at that point. Now, to Kendall's point of this, it's a lot more, I think, comforting for coaches if they can have them under their eye. They can have them under their leadership. They can make sure that they are sort of controlling the sessions, controlling the the, the throwing program, and they're seeing it with their eyes of how these guys are progressing. Because it's one thing to kind of log that, yep, I've done it, I'm good, it's another thing to be working with your pitching coach, be working with your strength and conditioning coaches, and be able to make sure that that is more structured. Because you're still talking about 18 to 22-year-olds that are away, that you're asking them to do this, knowing, hey, it's kind of like when you first go to college, period. Like we don't, We're not uh, grading on homework, but when it comes test time, you're going to know whether you understand the, the material or not. Same thing with a pitcher. Like, yeah, we're going to know – if you were doing what you were supposed to be doing during your break, if you were keeping up with everything you were supposed to do with your arm, especially with your pitchers. And you get to a point, because we've seen this, once practice starts, I mean, it's it's a furious sprint to that first game. I mean, there's not a lot of time. So, of course, there are there are certain pitchers that probably think they're taking it serious, but not as serious as they could be if you do have a little bit of that structure where you could report, I, I would even say a week and a half early. What you could get accomplished in that week and a half to just condition your arm to get more used to a controlled bullpen setting, be able to long toss, be able to go through everything from the stretching to all the just the minuscule things that is really going to condition that arm. Even a week and a half, you'd be amazed how further along you could be with your arm health. Great idea, but you'd have to present it to people that have no understanding of the science of pitchers' arms. And this is where I'd, I would love to see physical therapists get involved. They know firsthand. And they will tell you the use 
is not the overuse is one thing, but it's how you make use of the time that you have to do it is the most important thing. All right. uh, Before the break, here is uh, Nebraska Ball Mike. How you doing, Tominaga's biggest fan? Uh, Did John Bishop impersonate KP last night? Was he impersonating KP last night with last with the last call? Uh, I don't believe so. I don't. I think it would be awkward, Mike, if he said. Hoiberg stole the ball! Hoiberg stole the ball! <laughs> on a Creighton broadcast, that would be bad. About complaining about the refs missing the call. Oh. The... And you know what? To John's credit, John doesn't give an F of what the Big East thinks about his comments about officials because he's going to go full body in on officiating. <laughs> I was at the game. I, I wasn't. I listened to John's post game, which I, I think he had... He had turned down his volume, but but John gets very emotional. He does. He does. People forget. Good game last night. People forget that Nebraska won at Creighton back in December. Do you, Mike? <laughs> I don't. Okay. And as long as I'm breathing, he won't either. <laughs> uh, because we oh. weren't supposed to. Now. <laughs> okay. I have a Kansas City update. All right. For, why don't you let our listeners know what you were in quest of? I was in quest of a trip to go to Kansas City for Kansas City Comic Con mm-hmm. to go meet uh, Mercedes Vernado, who is the who is the former Sasha Banks for wrestling fans out there. We know that already. Some uh, some she do. Just won the biggest belt in in uh, Japanese wrestling, so she will be carrying it with her to Kansas City. And thanks to my friend Rick at Baxter Auto and Papillion, I'm going. Hey, that is right. got a hotel booked and everything. That is awesome. All right. Can I? I'm so, also I'm also going to give. I know I know a good friend of ours, Adam, um, tried to assist you as well. So I appreciate yeah. his effort. But Rick at Baxter Auto, um, who heard you the last time you were on Mike, and then called and, and Jimmy got his information. I'm glad you two got connected. Thank you, uh, Rick. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy for you, Mike. I, I know you'll en- enjoy it. Uh, what is it this weekend, right? It's St. Patrick's Day weekend. I oh, St. Patrick's Day yeah. weekend. That's right. All right, keep your wheels St. on the ground. Hey, 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 keep your wheels on the ground. All right. <laughs> no getting out of the chair. All right. No, 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 trying to do something you shouldn't be doing on St. Patty's Day when you get a little, uh, you know, you can get a little wild there when you're in some of those pubs. It's a bad day to be a beer. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, if you need if you need a car, go see my friend Rick. Because if he's willing to do this for me, he's willing to do hey, pretty much anything. He's for a uh, he's a, a car. he's a, a a good man who a lot of people that work with him know of his generosity and what a good dude he is. And so I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that you got taken care of. And uh, might take lots of pictures. We'll expect a full wrap up. And um, I hope you get to meet your uh, your lovely woman that you're after. I do too. Yep. All right. Hey, just remember, Mike, St. Patty's Day, it'll be the NCAA tournament down there as well. Things are going to get crazy. All right. You better. Yeah. You you, you better get a seatbelt for that wheelchair. All right. Just keep the wheels on the ground. All right. Don't worry about it. We'll bring the equipment we need. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. All All right. That's fantastic news. Thank you, Rick. That does not surprise me. I've purchased a vehicle from there, and yeah. Is that, the, is that there, people. by the way, uh, that weekend, too? Are we, is the Kansas City's T-Mobile Center the regional? Yeah, it's the, the regional. It's the, That'll be the weekend after. the semis in the... Yeah. It's the Sweet 16. That's right, that's right. Yeah.
But it'll oh. still be a fun weekend down. Oh, you can't gosh, you yeah. can't have Comic Con and the NCAA tournament at the no. same time. You might as well throw in a furry convention. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a convention. Oh, walking around there, that would be a, ooh, a fur- wow. Out of nowhere with that one too. Good job. I mean, sometimes it's late at night and you're doing play-by-play for a professional <laughs> hockey team, and you check into a hotel in Charlotte. No. And part of the hotel is reserved for swingers, and the other is for a furry convention. <laughs> and your mind goes, oh. <laughs> What were the elevator rides like? Well, there was only one available. <laughs> you couldn't go to the sixth floor. <laughs> Curiosity killed the cat. Also killed my sex drive that night. Oh, my All right, God. 7.52. <laughs> uh, Bronson Arroyo will join us in the uh, next hour. It's Mornings with Sharp and Hanley on 1620 The Zone.